Uh, this morning, I was Hannah, who's running the children's stuff in the back. She was always wants everything to be perfect with the kids' program, and I said, "I'm I'm just praying for mistakes because they're the best. They're the ones that bring the joy to the experience." And uh, it was just filled with uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of joy, and that's what. When you look at this season, that's what the season is really about. That uh, one of the most kind of pervasive themes that finds itself in this season is one of joy. Whether it's in the story of the nativity or whether it's in us longing for the coming of Jesus, one of the defining characteristics is joy. In fact, some would say that the New Testament starts with that very idea. When the angel comes, comes up to Mary. The first words that he utters in the Greek are, be joyful. Rejoice, be happy, that the news I'm about to declare to you is going to change everything. That joy has arrived or is in the process of arriving. And that's supposed to also be a defining characteristic or attribute of us. In fact, Brother Lawrence made this statement that joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. Um, Even when we look at the story of Jesus' birth, we see that joy certainly was a sign of God's presence. Um, The arrival of Jesus was met with joy. I'm going to be looking at a couple characters in the Christmas story and looking at how they react to the news of Christ. So if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Luke 1 and 2, kind of going back and forth a little bit. Um, But first I'm going to start with looking at Mary's relative Elizabeth. And at the time, Elizabeth was six months pregnant with who we now know is going to be John the Baptist. And um, about this time, Mary learns that she's going to carry the Son of God. And so she goes to Elizabeth with this news. And I can only imagine what an interesting conversation that was. Mary comes to her and says, hey, listen, I know we've been friends for a while, and I am a virgin, I am also with child now, and it's going to be the Son of God, which is just a crazy conversation as a friend to hear. But the cool part in Luke 1.44 says that the baby inside of Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy. And I just think that's really cool that we already see that the news of Christ's coming, even for an infant who is not fully developed yet, is, um, is met with joy. Um, the next characters I want to look at are the shepherds, and we're going to be looking in Luke 2, around 10 there. Um, so the shepherds are hanging out, doing whatever they do, and the angels of the Lord appear to them. And the part that I'm going to focus on here is 2.10. It says that the angels of the Lord say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And the key part of that is that the good news is what causes great joy. It's nothing else but God's good news that causes joy. And finally, I want to look at Mary. Um, After Mary hears that she's going to give birth to the Son of God, she responds with a song. So at the end of Luke 1, we see Mary's song. And I'm going to go ahead and read that for you guys. It says, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. 
He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So I think the theme of this song really is rejoicing. And her rejoicing is linked to God's work in her life and in the life of her people. She mentions God's mercy and his mighty deeds. But I think her opening phrase really gives us some insight into where joy originates from. It says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And I think what is so important here is that she's rejoicing because God has noticed her. She recognizes that she has undeservedly received this blessing from God that has created joy. Her humble state allows her to receive God's blessing. And I think it's her humility that God is being mindful of. Um, This morning, one of the themes that we are really looking at with joy is the idea that joy is manifested as a direct reaction to God's work. So God recognizes our need. He then works in our life. And as a result, we get to experience joy. Um, Over and over in the Old Testament, um, I kept noticing phrases where joy was used. And it would say, the people were filled with joy because God. And it was, God did something and the people were filled with joy. Or it would say that God filled the people with joy. So it's pretty clear to me that God is the generator of joy. We see in these characters, John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy as a result of hearing that God's son would be sent. The shepherds would experience great joy because of the news that a savior was going to be born. And Mary rejoices because God has chosen to bless her with the greatest gift of all. So as we reflect on the meaning of this season, it seems clear that the birth and life of Jesus should create within us a lasting joy. So not only should the birth and life of Jesus well up within us this joy, but also, as we mentioned before, it's supposed to be a defining characteristic of who we are as followers of Jesus. So it kind of caused me to ask the question, why is it if those things are true that the quality or the attribute of joy seems to be the first thing that goes, that so quickly we lose it? That we have it and then something comes into our life and then a moment later we seem not to have joy anymore. The more I reflected on it, the more I began to think that perhaps one of the reasons this is the case is because of our just natural desire to try to produce joy. What we try to do, many of us, is try to manufacture or produce this attribute of joy or this quality of joy. But joy, the problem with that is joy is not a characteristic that you can produce. You can't manufacture it. But we try to. We can't, though. We can't buy love. We can't buy joy. We can't somehow go and get it on discount on Black Friday. We can't go purchase it. We can't download it. We can't inherit it. We can't win it. Nothing that we do brings this quality or attribute of joy other than the posture of receiving it. See, that's the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is something that you begin to do something for to produce. Joy is something you receive. 
it's very similar to uh, other things that you work for. Perhaps you work to gain contentment, but you can only receive peace. You work to achieve something. An achievement becomes the goal. But what you get or receive is fulfillment. Some of us are striving for affection. But what we can only receive is love. You keep beginning to think through these attributes or qualities, and joy is one of those things that we cannot manufacture or produce, but rather can only receive. So since we can't manufacture it, the question needs to be asked, then how do we prepare ourselves to receive it? So when we're looking at this season and how we can receive and prepare for joy, um, I think a good way to understand it is for us to go back to Mary's song, and I'm going to... Um, read again that first line and she says my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant I think Mary received joy because she recognized her need for Jesus and she recognized the work of God in her life and I think those two pieces really have to go together um, a we need to know that we need a Savior and Mary recognizes that she needs a savior and she assumes a humble state which then I think allows God to work so when we are humble and we know we need God that opens the door to let him work but then that last part is huge that she noticed that God worked she recognizes that God has answered her need and blessed her beyond her need so I think that's kind of the question um I've been grappling with as I'm reading and going through this is that do we recognize God's work in our life if we don't feel like we need him? If we're controlling all the steps and living our lives and forgetting this season that we are humbly before him and he's giving a gift to us. So this season is about recognizing our need. It's about humbling ourselves before God and receiving the gift of Christ and receiving joy. We must be humble to receive God's gift. Um, Oswald Chambers says that um, you experience joy in hopelessness, realizing that if you are ever to be raised up, it must be by the hand of God. So what he's saying is God is able to work in our lives when we recognize the limits of our humanity and allow him to do the impossible. I think it's easy to forget our need for God, really easy. As we get through our lives, again, we control all the steps and we have what we need to survive, food, water, but we forget to need God. And I think we miss out on receiving God's joy because we stop humbling ourselves before God and we stop noticing his work. This season, we receive an undeserved, limitless miracle that says that you're loved, you're free, you're enough, and you're forgiven, and I think that is worth rejoicing about. So this season, I just challenge you to reflect on your need for a Savior and reflect on the work he's done and continues to do. Well, I'll just mention this idea of <clears throat> reflecting or thinking on our need. Mary makes it so clear that God was mindful of her humblest state. The fact that she was in this place and needed him is a pretty significant component. But the second thing that we wanted you to notice really quick is this idea that God comes. And when his arrival happens, he does amazing things. And she lists a bunch of them that happened in her world or her life. Let me uh, glance at them with you here 
in um, Luke chapter 1. It says this, For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Then she starts listing his work. He who is mighty has done great things for me. His mercy is for those who fear him. He has shown strength with his arm. He exalts those of humble estate. He fills the hungry with good things. I mean, Mary's listing all of these amazing works of God. And the reality is, those same things that were true for her are true for us. That as we spend time reflecting this season, we become mindful of our need and we begin to see His work. We begin to acknowledge that He has done great things for us, that He has shown us mercy, that He has demonstrated a strong arm on our behalf, that He has exalted those of us of humble estate and He has filled us with good things. The reality of Jesus' coming in the past as well as the future totally changes our reality. So for us, this season is really a time to reflect. It's a time to reflect on the thing that Mary brings out at the beginning, which is that we are needy. And that if we posture ourselves to receive this gift of joy in our need, that God breaks in again. He comes. This Advent takes place in our life. And the work of God is made manifest in our life. So this season, this week, during this time, reflect on this idea that we need Jesus. And it is when we're in greatest need that He reveals and demonstrates Himself the most. I want us to stand and pray this prayer together at the end. We're going to read two short prayers. The first one is Mary's statement right at the beginning of the prayer. And then the second one is just a cry from us to say, Lord, come. And then I'll uh, wrap up our prayer and our time together. Let's pray these together. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and visit your people. We await your coming. Come, O Lord. 